Hello, hello, hello. I have to say at the start of this podcast that I am so blown away by how many of you have pre-ordered The Sicilian Inheritance and sent me your receipt to get a free lifetime subscription to our Substack over the influence. It's like so many, so many. I And I also get to talk to you a little bit when when you DM or email me and it just lets me know a little bit more about our listeners, which I love. I always want to hear from you. So definitely DM me on Instagram because I'm also getting a lot of really great show ideas that I'm enjoying. Now, because of listener suggestions, we're working on a show about menopause influencers, one about divorce influencers. Like all of your all of your ideas are so good. I welcome them and I love them. Also, thank you for supporting The Sicilian Inheritance, this book that I love and I'm a psycho marketing monster for. Uh, you know, you guys are all amazing and, and I love you. Today, we have an episode about pageants, beauty pageants, specifically Mrs. America. No, this is not an episode about Ballerina Farm, at least not directly even though there has been a lot of chatter and talk this week about Ballerina Farm, Hannah Nealman, preparing for her Mrs. America events immediately after having a baby. I've written about it on Instagram and on the Substack. I have thoughts. But that's not what this episode is about today. This is an episode about bias and about how to have a civilized conversation about something that you might not know about. Social media makes that nearly impossible. Social media is filled with snark and trolls and people yelling at one another about things they don't understand. And I hate that. I hate it. A while back, we did an episode about Ballerina Farm winning the Mrs. America competition. It was a good episode. I liked it a lot. I liked doing it. Afterwards, I got a message saying that I'd gotten some information about the Mrs. America pageant wrong, that I didn't understand what the pageant was. And this listener was disappointed that I seemed condescending about the pageant and about pageants in general. Now, when I was recording, I hadn't realized that I sounded condescending. I went back and listened, and yeah, a little bit. I did. Definitely, definitely in there. And it's because I don't know that much about the pageant world. And I do have my own biases. Biases, the right word? I don't know. The only pageants I have ever interacted with in the real world were the ones run by Donald Trump back in the 2000s. And yes, they were a patriarchal, misogynistic shit show. So am I condescending about those pageants? And then probably, as a spillover, pageants in general. Yeah, yeah, I am. But I love learning things. And I love being told that I'm wrong. I love people saying, hey, do you know what you don't know? And can I tell you about it? So the listener who contacted me is Chloe Rosen. Chloe is the current Mrs. New York. My first instinct was to ask Chloe to just come on the show. Tell me what I need to know. Tell us all what we should know about Mrs. America. And she said yes. 
I love real conversations. I love conversations where we actually listen to one another and where we're open to learning new things. They do not happen nearly enough in media, especially social media these days. And I'm very excited for you to listen to Chloe and I have a chat. So here we go. I listen to the podcast and, you know, I'm a fan of yours. And I think as a writer and a woman, you know, small business owner myself, I think we are are lucky to be in a time where social media and podcasting media in general has such a power to lift us all. One of the things that I just felt saddened by was just one, some of the misinformation around the pageant system as a whole and pageantry in general, some negative stereotypes. I I think of myself as a feminist. I, I like to think that we as women will not move forward at all whatsoever um, together unless women stop judging the choices of other women. Mm. Tell me everything. All right, here's the first <laughs> thing. Here's the first thing I'm going to admit. I don't know jack shit about pageants. So in that episode, maybe I was thinking about an antiquated idea of pageant pageantry as you know, a contest that judges women based on physical attributes. Tell me everything that we should know about pageants in the modern day. I think I I have never, I've never, well, actually I have, I have been to, to some pageants. I, when I was a gossip columnist back in the day, I used to I have to that. cover for, oh my God, it was so, it was the best job to have and oh, be 20 years old. I mean, it's so much fun. Sounds so fun. <laughs> it was just so much fun. You know what? Here is where I think my bias is. And that's why it's it's interesting to talk about this, because it's like, where does your bias come from? I used to cover Donald Trump's beauty pageants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think his are the Miss World and the Miss Universe. I'm going to Google that to make sure. Not anymore. He does not own them anymore. No. OK, OK. So, but, but he did own Miss USA, he, Miss Universe. Miss he, USA, he, Miss Universe. I covered them when he was the owner of them. And... Those felt very misogynistic and sexist to me when I covered mm-hmm. them. And I think that that is where my bias is coming in. But I want to hear from you and tell the audience a little bit about your involvement with pageants and what makes you kind of an expert on this world. So first, thank you for being able to say like, hey, I don't know about this and I want to learn more. I, I really appreciate that. And I think that's so much of what we need. I grew up around pageants. My mom, she was a, a director in the Miss America system for over 20 years. She was very successful. She helped over five women become, she helped five women become Miss America, countless runner-ups. Um, she's un- unbelievable. Um, and when I look at the women whose lives she changed, it was incredible to me. And then when I got married, one of my best girlfriends was doing, um, she was doing hair and makeup for Mrs. Tennessee. And I thought to myself, what the heck is Mrs. Tennessee? And she said, oh, it's just a, it's a, like a Miss America, but for married ladies. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that's crazy. I'm an athlete. I'm a runner. Um, I've run a couple marathons and I thought I'm a little burnt out on running and I'd really like a goal that has nothing to do with running. So I told my husband, I was like, I'm going to compete. Nobody believed I was going to do it. Um, and the rest is history. I one Mrs. New York after my second try. Um, I was top 15 at Mrs. America this year. I was able to raise over $7,000 for 
my platform. Um, so it's been it's been great. And then I also own a um, company called Rosen Media Consulting, where um, I'm a social strategist. So I work with pageant contestants to and systems and businesses to learn how to tell their authentic stories online. Um, Mm -hmm. so that we can really work to eradicate these negative stereotypes of, like I said, this bygone era, this miscongeniality era that we live in, um, so that women can see that it's not, pageantry is not about the cheeseburger that they're eating after they won. They're learning Mm -hmm. how to tell their story. So it's not, it's not that kind of messaging where you're teaching young women or the internet that, oh, I'm so happy that I can eat now. Um, or look at these Navy SEAL-esque workouts that I'm doing. Um, we're teaching women really to tell their authentic stories, um, to showcase the power behind their messaging on the internet um, so that we can show just how relevant pageantry is. So you know so much about this world. You are the right person to talk to. And, <laughs> yeah. But but you're also helping women who compete in pageants to break the stereotype of right. the old school stereotype of right. pageantry on social media. Right. Correct. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So go I mean, at me. Tell me what I got wrong. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me start with saying uh, so the first things you talked about were, you know, Hannah's Miss South Dakota. She was appointed that as an at-large title um, the week before the competition. So she was never, you know, officially crowned. She didn't have a competition. There was not a lot of content out there about her preparation. Right, right, right. I remember the first thing that I saw about it was something, the fabulous face or best face, where it, it looked like a, a some kind of competition on the social media in, that had to do with the pageant that was just, it looked like who's the prettiest is what it looked like. And I'm like, I don't love that. But um, the, the fabulous face is actually not the best face. It's called the fabulous face contest, um, that she posted about raising money for. And that money actually goes back to the national, um, the national platform called Victoria's Voice, which was started by David and Jackie Siegel when their daughter died, um, at age 18 of an opioid overdose. And so all of the money that is raised from the fabulous space. I mean, yes, you do get in the top 16 or top 15, but the money does go to a really, really great cause. And that organization has done so much to lobby for getting Narcan out on the streets, um, preventing overdose deaths, educating um, police officers and, and making sure that they who are on the front lines have the resources to prevent um, overdoses with the use of Narcan. Um, so it's it's pretty amazing. The money goes directly to funding those efforts. Okay, yeah. So I'm looking at the website and it costs money to vote. And you're telling me that that money goes to this great cause, which is awesome, which is fascinating to me. I have been doing a little bit of Googling and I'm not seeing enough about that. So maybe maybe that is something that the pageant could correct to promote that this is where the money is going to, or maybe I'm just missing it. I don't know. I don't know. But you also, you have a lot to tell me about the history of the pageant. And I want to hear more about that too. Because a lot of the information that I got was from this Jezebel article from 2016 entitled The Long Strange Life of the Mrs. America Pageant. And one of the things that I didn't love was women being graded on their domestic abilities. 
the pageant was actually founded in 1936, um, and it was owned by a gentleman named Bert Nevis. And it was the only nationally televised beauty pageant for married women. And they were graded on cooking, sewing, ironing, party prep, other homemaking abilities, um, family psychology, poise, personality. Um, but then in 1977 to now, it was bought by um, a gentleman, a, a couple called uh, named David and Elaine Marmel. And they completely revamped the pageant. They The categories no longer were cooking or homemaking, but it became about your abilities, your job, your community service work, poise, personality, and your your platform. One of the things I really want to talk about are the the kinds of women that compete in beauty pageants, because I think that there is this idea, well, that's anti-feminist or that's antiquated. So I have met women, like even at Mrs. New York, I met a woman who, she went to Cambridge, she is working on a fellowship that is working to eradicate the genome in um, during pregnancy that causes autism. Um, oh, wow. And, that's, you know, that's a, big, that's a big job. It's a big jump. It's, it's pretty amazing. And she's like, I work in a lab all day and I want to talk about this work that's being done. And I don't know how to do that outside of the lab. The uh, New York American who competed with Hannah, she was a producer with for Dan Rather for 12 years. Um, the Mrs. The current Mrs. Maryland, she was the, she is the head of all federal penitentiaries in the United States. Um, you know, so there are really amazing women. Nicole Laha Zorkian, she is uh, a mother of two. Um, one, her child has cerebral palsy and she is running for political office to, in Illinois, to advocate for inclusive playgrounds and more inclusivity for children with disabilities. Um, the the Mrs. America before her is an inter- intersex woman named Jackie Blankenship, who, you know, talks about her journey as an intersex woman. She was born without any reproductive organs and her journey towards finding out how to be feminine, finding what her brand was, what her voice was, you know, who she is as a woman and then what it was to become a mother, um, you know, her sister, graciously carried a child for her because she physically cannot. So Mm. these are the kinds of women who compete in pageantry. And these are the stories that unfortunately don't get told because so many people are quick to judge um, what they don't know. And instead of doing the work to find out what's behind, what the stories are behind these women, they say, oh, I just see this, this swimsuit competition. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, I, I will tell you that when I hear the word pageant, I just in my head, I, I see I see bathing suits. I see ladies in bathing suits in high heels walking across the stage. And my immediate go to, I don't know why this is, but I'm like, oh, I just ugh, I don't want women to be judged based on their bodies like that. I don't. And it's not. It's funny because based off what some of the commenters have been saying to me when I talked about Hannah and Ballerina Farm postpartum people are saying, well, you're jealous or you're thin shaming. And this doesn't have to do with bodies. It has to do with judgment and the male gaze and what we prioritize about women. But I want to I get into, I want to hear all of your thoughts on that. But first, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. If you're like me, and we've talked about this before, 
you tend to set really big goals for the coming year, or at least goals. But as we've said before, sometimes the littlest things can be the most impactful. I'm doing the dry January, and that has kind of trickled down into everything else that I'm doing. And so another example of that is One Skin's two-step approach to healthier skin. Yes, two steps. This is not one of those skin treatments where you do 50 different steps, which I can't do because I don't have time to do it. And I'm very into One Skin's two-thing two two thing approach. It's a good approach. And I'm kind of a snob about skin skincare stuff. Not a snob in like, I'm going to spend a lot of money kind of way. But I every time I, I go to Europe or I'm in like a nice airport, I buy myself all of those French pharmacy skincare products, which are pretty cheap, but they're better than the ones you can get here. And I've been trying One Skin, and it's the first thing I've tried in a long time that reminds me of those. Their products are powered by a scientifically proven peptide called OS1 that targets lines and wrinkles right where they start in your cells. I've got a lot of them. I've got a lot of lines and wrinkles. This is kind of a scientific breakthrough. In fact, OS1 is the first of its kind to kind of turn back the clock and mask the signs of aging. And they've got a full line of face, eye, body, sun, and travel-sized products. So I'm, I'm all in. I've been all in. I've been using it for about a month now, and I'm really seeing a difference. I really, I'm really enjoying it. I've added it into my skincare routine, and I think I look good. I do. I'm, I'm getting ready for that, for that book tour, that book tour glow, and I'm really enjoying the one skin. And for a limited time, our listeners can get an exclusive 15% off one skin products using the code INFLUENCE. That code is INFLUENCE when you check out at oneskin.co, oneskin.co. So start your 2024 off with a new skincare routine and give your skin the scientifically proven love that it deserves with OneSkin. Again, you can get 15% off OneSkin with the code INFLUENCE at www.oneskin.co. That's .co, not .com. Under the Influence is also brought to you by Etitude. Etitude. Yes, Etitude is a dreamy line of clean bamboo sheets that have over 20,000 five-star reviews. I like jumping into a soft bed. I want my sheets to be soft and cozy. I, I prioritize sleep over almost everything else. People ask me all the time, they're like, you're doing a thousand podcasts and you're a marketing monster for all of your books. You must not sleep. No, I sleep about nine hours a night because I get in bed right after the kids go to bed at about eight o'clock and I read for an hour and then I pass out. I'm also a bad sleeper, so I take, I take half a melatonin. But I love nice sheets. It's one of the few things that I spend money on. And the great thing is that attitude sheets are the epitome of accessible luxury. They are not going to break the bank, but they are soft and just delightful. It's like jumping into bed in a cloud. In a cloud. Yes, I recently got their signature sateen sheet set, their bamboo sateen sheet set. It's clean bamboo. And I got it in this really pale yellow. 
which I've never had that color sheet before, but it pops. It really pops in my room. I'm into it. I'm into it more than the white we see on social media all the time, right? Like, why not some, why not add some color? I like some color. Now, our listeners can get 35% off their first order with the code INFLUENCE, which is very exciting because $35 is not nothing. So go to attitude.com slash under the influence, use the code INFLUENCE, and you're going to get $35 off your order plus free shipping. I love free shipping. It brings me joy. It really does. So again, that is attitude.com slash under the influence and the code is influence. Get some good sleep. You deserve it and you need it. We are back and we're going to talk about swimsuit competitions and how they make me feel icky, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, for me, and I think for a lot of women who've competed in in a pageant and have competed in swimsuit, I can tell you there is truly, and I have run marathons and triathlons, there is nothing more empowering than standing on stage, presenting the the best version of myself on that day, not, you know, 20 years ago or in six months from now, the best version of myself physically on that day, best version of myself mentally as a champion advocate for my family, myself, my community, my state, and standing in front of a panel of judges and saying, I dare you not to pick me. I dare you. And to me, there's nothing more feminist than that. Um, And so you know, that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of world that we live in. I mean, I like to think of pageantry as a sport. You know, I hired many coaches. Um, it teaches you to, to humble yourself and say, I'm not, I, I'm not an expert in pageantry. So I'm going to surround myself with experts. I hired a walking coach. I hired an interview coach. Wait, what, wait, what, is a walking, what does a walking coach do? Exactly what you think they do. <laughs> they they teach you how to walk in high heels. They teach you how to pose. They teach you how to, you know, all about eye contact, all about owning the stage and the presence. They teach you how to, to go from don't look at me to please look at me and oh. how to feel confident in your own skin to say, please look at me. Look how my presence is larger than life because here I am representing something bigger than myself. So that is, um, I know, very long-winded, but I feel like hopefully a little bit more of a comprehensive uh, idea about pageantry. Like, yes, you know, we do have walking coaches and yes, do I still struggle to walk in six inch heels? But you said something that, that really hit home with me on your podcast. You said, you know, is there a pageant for, um, you know, people in sweatpants and no makeup. And like, I am wearing sweatpants currently and I have no makeup on. And I <laughs> well, you look great. That, you look great. Thank you. you thank you so much. Thank you so much. But I would say that that's every woman in pageantry. They're just regular women who believe in something bigger than themselves, who want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, like anybody else, like you are with your podcast and are using pageantry as the platform as the megaphone for, for whatever it is, whatever cause it is they want to champion or whatever dream it is that they have. Um, it's no different than somebody who wants to be an influencer or somebody who wants to be uh, an actor or a writer 
Um, it's just the platform that they use. Joe, have you ever thought about competing in a beauty pageant or have you ever competed in a beauty pageant? I have not. I have not. The closest that I came is of, to like just walking even on a runway was that I was asked to walk in some kind of like dog show fashion show. Ooh. I know. I carried a very cute bulldog puppy and my looking back on it, my shirt dress was so short. You could definitely see my booty. Oh, no. So that is the closest that I've come to being on stage in in such a manner. Okay. Okay. Well, how did it feel when you did that? Was it fun? Was it exciting? I did not, I did not like it. I did okay. not like people. I did not like people staring at me in that way, which is very interesting because I love speaking in front of a crowd. Yeah. But it, but like that felt different. That that felt like I was being stared at for how I looked as opposed okay. to what I was saying, if that makes okay. sense. Totally. Totally. I completely understand that, that point of view. And I, I have been there myself. So I definitely, I definitely get that. How can we flip this script? Like, how do you encourage women on social media to, you know, change the story around pageants? Yeah. So I think it starts, it starts with, with women in pageantry telling their authentic story and moving away from the stereotypes that surround pageantry, you know, mm-hmm, moving away mm-hmm. from posting about, um, you know, world peace and talking more about their causes. I have a, a client right now who is, um, she's been advocating on and lobbying on Capitol Hill for truth and advertising since she was 18 mm-hmm. years old. And yeah. um, he posts on social media, only unfiltered, unedited, no Photoshop, nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, it's telling stories like that. It's, um, owning, owning your process instead of, um, saying, oh my gosh, I worked out and I missed carbs. Um, so it's starting with that, but then I also think it's having conversations like this, you know, reaching out and saying, instead of being defensive and aggressive, what Mm -hmm. if woman to woman, you know, community to community, we just shared the pros of this of this world. So, you know, we can educate each other about, you know, what makes pageantry so special, what makes it so empowering, what makes it so, I think, inherently feminist, and how can we work together to remove bias? And that only comes from having conversations like this you know, you were so open and said, you know, my intention was never to hurt anyone, was never to harm the the opinion of women in pageantry. And so I think, you know, having more women be open to conversations like this and saying, instead of being defensive, saying, okay, let's talk. Let's sit down and talk and have a conversation. And let me just educate you about what I know. And maybe you can educate me about where your bias comes from. And maybe by having those conversations, I can learn from you and you can learn from me. And I think, I think, you know, that's where it starts. Have really saying, look, this is inherently feminist. These women choose to do this. They, nobody's forcing them to do this. You know, my panel of judges was mostly women of color. Um, it wasn't all men. I, there was no extreme male gaze in the audience, um, you know, and really having these conversations about also the kind of women that compete in pageantry, 
I think there is a massive misconception that it's all Botox and tits and ass. It's not. Um, and I don't have a boob job, you know, like, I don't have I, any I plastic hear, surgery. I'm going to throw it out there. I want a boob job real bad. I, I do I, as well. I do as I well. Want the, I want the lift and tuck is what I want. I want the boobs picked back up and then I want the belly pushed back in. And I, I get don't, it. I don't feel bad saying that. And I also get all the Botox. Yeah, at the end why of, not? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're all the same. Right. We're all because similar. if it makes you feel better... Who are we to judge? So I think the thing, I think the thing is at the end of the day, like I said, when I started, we will only progress towards equality as women when we as women stop judging the choices of other women. Mm. So Mm -hmm. if you want to be a social media momfluencer and you don't want to post about how much money you have or the support that you have, that's your prerogative. If you want to get Botox and a tummy tuck and a boob job, that's your prerogative. If you want to compete in a pageant because that's the best way you find to reach the community that you want to reach, that's your prerogative. And I think, you know, if you want to start a podcast where you talk about momfluencers and their choices, that's also your prerogative. You know, I'm not here to, to judge anybody. And I think there's space for all of us. And I, I think that's that's how we start to flip the script is we start recognizing that there's space for all of us and that there's room for all of our stories, regardless of what they look like and regardless of how we tell them. Um, so hopefully that kind of, you know, hopefully these kind of conversations will continue to happen. And this is the first of many, you know, like I didn't have kids. I don't have kids. My husband and I don't have kids. We're not sure we're going to be able to have children, but that was never used against me at Mrs. America. Um, You know, and so I think knowing that these stereotypes, these negative misconceptions are not the reality and then sharing that with other people um, through platforms like this, that's how we, that's how we make change and how we, you know, we lift each other and, we hopefully move towards a you know a more inclusive world for all types of women and all the choices that we make. Here is another question that I have: as an insider in Mrs. America, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the things that the more mainstream media that I read, you know, did talk about kind of judging women on more traditional values. What what do you feel like women are? are being judged on and is judged the right word? I mean, I think judge is the right word. They're, they're okay. called judges. And I, I wouldn't say that it's a negative connotation. I think when mm-hmm. we hear the word judge, it can bring up like a icky feeling, oh, you're judging me, but they are judges. It's like in a gymnastics competition, you know, they are scoring you. Yeah. Um, but I found, you know, I'm a 34 year old woman. Um, I have a master's degree. I, um, you know, I'm a small business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. I, you know, I speak multiple languages. I find that all of my questions in interview were very forward thinking. You know, what is your plan for growing this organization? Do you have a business plan? What, um, you know, you work in media. What is your what is your experience with media and how do you plan to use that to bring in brands and sponsors 
and grow the face of Mrs. America? Um, you know, those are the questions that I was asked. Where have you traveled? Where have you lived in? Um, you know, I've lived in South Africa and in China and in Tanzania. And um, we had a judge from South Africa. So I was able to connect with him on my time there living and working um, with the Elizabeth Glazer Pediatric AIDS Foundation. So, um, you know, I found that I wasn't, it wasn't like, um, how do you support your husband? How does your husband support you? Do you have children? You know, I didn't receive any of those questions. Obviously, I can't speak for other women. They might have received those questions, but it was more, let me look at your bio. You do submit a, like you submit paperwork. So you give, you know, your occupation, where you went to school, um, your community involvement, what your platform is you know, what your plan is for why you want to be Mrs. America or Mrs. American. Um, and so I found that the, the process of being judged, especially in the interview portion was very forward thinking was very much. This is a business. You're a brand representative. How are you going to use this as a platform to, to further this business, to grow this business and to continue to, keep this organization relevant. Um, on stage, I, you know, yes, you're in an evening gown and you're in a swimsuit. But like I said, I felt like I was presenting the best version of myself. I mean, I wore a gown that was on the level of my wedding dress. You know, when I tried it on, I cried. <laughs> like, um, I felt so beautiful and elegant and regal um, and I didn't feel like I was being, you know, judged by just, you know, do my boobs look good in this or, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. how's my walk in this? I felt, you know, I always say like swimsuit and evening gown, those competitions are one from the neck up. Um, oh, it has, interesting. it has nothing to do with, you know, what you look like. It's, are you confident? Are you engaged with the audience? Are you not afraid to make eye contact with the judges? You know, do you have a presence? Um, you know, when I won my state pageant, I did not have the first best body, the second best body, or even the third best body on the stage. I have a bunch of endocrine issues. I have over the last three and a half years with the help of really amazing doctors at Cornell and the right kind of diabetes medicine, um, lost 60 pounds and, you know, it's been it's been a, a long journey to be diagnosed, but I knew all I cared about was, am I having the most fun and am I presenting the healthiest version of myself, the best, strongest version of myself? And so I think if you think about it that way, then there's no judgment on antiquated values. You know, there are women with cellulite on the stage. I have cellulite. Every Everybody has cellulite. There are, you know, my legs jiggle. And for me, it's like, well, if they're looking at my legs jiggling, then I'm not having enough fun because they should only be looking at my face and how much fun and how empowering this is. So I really didn't feel like I was being judged on antiquated values of femininity or, you know, being a, a wife or, or a woman. Um, I really felt like I was just there presenting the best version of myself in that time uh, of my life. Um, and I feel like that could be said for 
pageantry in general. They want to know how you're going to, it's a business, right? It's a business like any other thing. So they want to know, how are you going to be a brand ambassador? How are you going to help us recruit more women? How are you going to help us stay relevant? How are you going to help us make money? Um, and so they're not looking for the women who are like, well, I just am here because I wanted to do something for myself, which is Hmm. totally great Mm -hmm. if that's why you're there. But in reality, a lot of these organizations are looking for the women who know why you, why now, why do we need to pick you right now? This is so enlightening. If you're interested in competing in New York, um, you know, Wait, who's, are, who's Mrs. Pennsylvania? Should I try to be Mrs. Pennsylvania? Um, 100%. Are you joking me? You absolutely should. If All anything, right. just so you can understand on a deeper level, one, the amount of work that goes into it. And just like, really, when people say pageantry is a sport, it is a sport. Like you train like a professional athlete. You are working on, I mean, my husband laughs at me. He's like, you can, I have talked my way after grad school into so many jobs that I did not deserve to have (laughs) because I know how to interview and I know how to communicate and I know how to, you know, own a room. And I think that there are so many transferable skills that pageantry teaches you. And I think that you would find super enlightening. And also it's really fun to play dress up. I know like as a, as a, since the COVID, like I barely put on a regular bra. I like, if I do makeup, it's a really good day. And my husband's like, wow, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, so I think that like, I think, it's, it's fun to, to get dressed up and have your hair and makeup done and pick out a gown and, you know, find a cause you want to champion. So yes, compete for Mrs. Pennsylvania. I would love to connect you with them or even just go watch the pageant so you can see what it's about for yourself and you can understand or judge the pageant so you can, you know, yeah. get to know some of these women and why they're there and what they're advocating for and what they're championing and um, help them, you know, be a part of something bigger. I will definitely compete for Miss, Mrs. Pennsylvania if it means I'll sell more books. Oh, 100%. I mean, 100%. Because I'm just, that's all I think about right now is how do I sell more copies of The Sicilian Inheritance? Uh, so, all right. All right, let me look into this. Let me look into it. Yeah, I like dressing up. I will. I will. You let me know if you uh, have any questions. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help. Oh, all right. Here for that. Here for that. Yeah. Love it. Um, tell people where they can find you, how they can learn more. Oh, absolutely. You can find me um, on Instagram at Rosen Media Consulting. Um, if you want to follow the rest of my year as Mrs. New York, I'm also on Instagram there at 2023 MRS. NY America. So 2023 Mrs. NY America. Um, and if you are interested in working with me, figuring out social media for yourself, um, you can shoot me an email at um, rosenmediaconsulting at gmail.com. That is all that we've got for today. I loved this conversation. I really, I really did. I love it when people tell me things that I don't know. I like learning stuff. In fact, I've recently been thinking about going back to school to get a PhD in communication so that I can fix this whole media clusterfuck that is ruining our lives. But I will tell you, someone actually told me I was too old to go back and get a PhD. 
and also that academia doesn't care about influencers. Fun fact, my friends. Fun fact. And you know what? Maybe I will try out to be Mrs. Pennsylvania because I contain multitudes and I am full of surprises. One thing that I did find interesting was that Mrs. America gives you this big platform, a big platform. And because Hannah Nealman Ballerina Farm is so recently postpartum, I genuinely think it would be interesting if she used this big platform to talk about how hard this period is for the majority of women, how our country and our culture needs to be kinder to postpartum women, and how we can do a lot of things postpartum. I wrote, I wrote books every time I had kids. We can do things, but we also need to be cared for. We need to be cared for. This is a hard period. Our bodies and our minds go through a lot. And maybe she will. Maybe she will. I hope, I hope she does. I hope she, she uses the fact that she did just have a baby and she's going to go be the Mrs. America. She uses that as a way to talk about this for all of the millions of mothers who follow her. That's, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being here today. If you love this podcast, share it with a friend or leave us a review. I get a lot of haters, mostly people who think that I'm, I'm shitting on, on Tradwives, uh, and they love leaving one-star reviews. So, so good reviews help. You know what? We don't review enough things that we love. We don't. We don't. But if someone hates you, they are coming for you. They are. Uh, also, as always, go pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance. If you order it and you DM me or email me your receipt, then you get a lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. And you'll also get all of the behind-the-scenes stuff for the Sicilian Inheritance True Crime podcast, where I actually solve my great-grandmother's murder or try to solve my great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother's murder. Uh, it's only murders in the building meets White Lotus and all of the behind the scenes stuff will be on the Substack. Uh, so yeah, get in on that on the ground floor. Thank you. Thank you. Love you all. You're the best. Bye.